Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. All right, glory to Jesus Christ, Catholic Stuff You Should Know podcast. I have a very brave co-host, I can tell, because I literally just walked over to the Homeboy Industry booth. I was like, hey, can somebody talk about what you guys do? And Brad here just stepped up. He's like, yeah, I got this. And then I don't know if you know what you were getting into, but... <laughs> yeah, no, anyway. I didn't. I'm Father Michael Lachlan. This is Brett. People call you Joey, right? Right, right. Homeboy Industries in LA, right? Right. All right. So what, what, what's your story and how'd you get hooked up with Homeboy? All right. So my story is, is that um, growing up as a youth, my house was very broken. No rules, no respect, no morals. Uh, basically got to do whatever I wanted to do. Um, started using with my mother when I was nine. Wow. And... Um, that was just the encouragement. Instead of going to the streets, you do it here at the house. Okay. Um, you know, I would find all types of stuff around the house growing up, uh, looking under the couch. You know, there was guns, there was drugs, there was, you know, all types of stuff. Um, then later on, I started going in and out of juvenile halls at 13, and my mother didn't want me anymore, so she gave me off to my grandparents. My grandparents tried to raise me as best as they could, but I was already tore up from the streets and everything else that I would keep running back to that because that's where I felt loved that's where I felt respected that's where I felt I fit in yeah um so then up to 26 um I did enough time to realize that okay I'm tired of going to jail I'm tired of going to prison uh, I need to get my life together and how do I do it so I didn't know how to do it and I went to recovery um found a 12-step spiritual program and uh, through there, I was able to reflect, take a look at myself and uh, actually take some accountability and responsibility for the actions that I was doing to others and, and to myself. I was closing a lot of doors um, for my future and everything else to my children. So at that time, I, I, I had three children. A Is boy. it 26? You were 26? Yeah, okay, yeah. wow. And uh, a boy and two girls. Well, from 26 to 28... Uh, I was able to stay clean for about two years and I stopped working my steps and working with others and carrying my message and uh, I fell off. There was something that happened that was icing on the cake and uh, I, I went back out there one more time in the streets and guess what? It only got worse. It didn't get better. Yeah. And um, with that, I ended up in the hospital and ICU for three days and wow. uh, checked myself into Parkside West and Covina and uh, to try to get a program. And with the with addiction and, and living the street lifestyle, and I was out there for a year back in, so I had 17 years of using, then two years clean. And so when I went back out there, it hit me even harder. And all my old behavior, my old ways had came back. So as I was sitting there in Parkside West, I was like, man, this place, I don't want to be here. I just want to go back out. Yeah. So I went back out there three more months, and um, finally I had a friend that I that I was real close, real close with in the past, and I seen her going to uh, Homeboy Industries, okay. taking care of her children, getting her life together, getting a job, getting her license, and and all these things, and she wouldn't tell me anything about it. I knew about Homeboys. I knew that that's where gang members went, and addicts, and alcoholics, or anybody who grew up with a broken home or from the streets. And so uh, finally, uh, I got to a point, my children were in, in custody again with DCFS, and, and my life was all tore back. 
um, in just one year. I mean, I got the job. I got my kids back. I had, wow. I had everything, and, wow. I, and I and I felt at peace of mind and harmony, happiness, joyness, and free. Yeah. And um, I was like, man, I need to get back to that. And um, I knew I had to do it through my through my addiction, my step work, and, and you know, the twelve step spiritual program. But I needed a foundation to get my foot through the door through people that accept me for yep. no matter where I come from or who I am or what I did. And um, I knew it was at Homeboys. Okay. So when I made that effort to go through the door, I wasn't looking for a job. I was looking for change me. Right. And um, Father Greg, you know, God bless him. He provides services that everyone needs who comes from that background. Um, so now I'm going to school for my GED. All I'm right. two months into Homeboy Industries. Um, they got Planned Parenthood. I'm going to be taking that pretty soon. Um, in the process of getting my daughters back, I got help through them to get into a sober living and then transition into another housing so my daughters have somewhere to go when, when, uh, when, they, when the court date is up and everything. And um, with that, I'm working on my anger. I'm working on my addiction. I'm working on how to uh, just be a productive member of society. Wow. Um, I'm part of the 18-month job program. And, you know... It's more of a change for yourself than anything else. Yeah. And um, the staff there, the people there, whoever walks in, everyone's just amazing, mm. great. And and, and um, there's one thing that really touched me is when Father G was sharing about demonizing. And you can only stop demonizing by staying with the, standing with the demonized. Mm. And, um, and that made me think that everyone's human. Yep. Everyone's human, no matter what they've done. And I've learned that, you know, my God, my higher power, he has mercy, you know, and, and, and won't, um, you know, drill me for the things that I've done. He'll forgive me. Yeah. And um, and every everything and anything that I need is at Homeboys. Okay. And he, and he, I don't know, he's just a, he's a blessing, man. And, and so Homeboys takes ex-gang members, addicts, alcoholics, people that are broken in the streets who, okay. that have that lifestyle out there and um, he brings them in with open arms wow. you know and and they just teach you everything and, and then he has connections to you know other career opportunities and okay. you can get your diploma there I mean and and, and the best thing about it is non-profitable you know yeah. it's not going to anywhere else but homeboys yep. and so it's like when, when you get and receive you get to give back yeah and help others yeah and you see youth younger than i i'm 30 and um but i see youth come in and i'm like man i remember when you couldn't even bring me into a place like homeboys it okay. was like no way right i'm not going there and um and so when i see the youth there i got i cling on to them and try to show them the ropes get them to feel comfortable get them to feel welcome yeah and, and any friends that i do make there are outside of there um you know I tell them, you know, there's help, and if you need it, come on by. And they'll be like, yeah, yeah, I'll go, I want to go. Or, oh, man, Joey, you know, this, this, and that. I'm hmm. seeing my kids, and I really want to make a change. You know, I got court coming up. You think G will represent me, or, you know, will you help me out? And I'm there, and then, you know, they're not ready for that change yet. Yeah. They, you know, they haven't had that psychic change or been beaten, battered enough, you yeah. know, emotionally and physically to actually seek relief you know mm. and um so i just let them know you know i still love you i don't judge you you know whenever you need my help i'll be there 
until then my friend you do you and I'm gonna do me and I'll be there when you need me you know and um, that's where Father G has gotten me back to where I need to be at yeah yeah so wonderful yeah. thank you yeah. thank you um, if you don't mind just asking what what kept you from going to a place like Homeboy Industries like what, when you were still on the street what, what, what was like the fear or what kept you from doing it my fear was um, the stigma that um, th- right in youth my homeboys would tell me oh that's where guys uh, go that have dropped out from gangs mm. uh, locked it up in prison that don't walk mainline and um, and Oh, you know, uh, just just people who have been condemned for certain convictions or crimes um, go there. So it's like, don't go there. Yeah. You know, um, if we see you there, we'll beat you up, wow. you know, stuff like that. So because I had stepped into Homeboys at one time at 26 and um, I was going for the interview. And all I could think about was the negative stigma that I've yeah. heard. Yeah. And, you know, some people could look intimidating. They got tattoos, they're institutionalized, they're barely adapting to the outside world. And, you know, they just got done 20, 25 years. And um, I'm just think I was thinking like, oh, this guy's going to bang on me. He's mm-hmm. going to, you know, try to start a fight. Yeah. And I'm going to blow my top because I had anger issues. And um, I was coming out of that, too. So, um, but this time around, I was like, Noticing that it doesn't matter if there's people at homeboys that came where I came from, how did they do it? They probably just worried about themselves and just, you know, did what they had to yeah. do and whatever was asked of them. And it couldn't be harmful because they're still there and right. they're growing and, 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 you know, they're getting their families back and being blessed with just showered with blessings, yeah. you know, just by doing the right thing, yeah. thinking of others, you know, and, and, um, uh, I found some gifts with myself where I work with others and I connect with people. I adapt to situations. I'm like a chameleon, you know. I could just go in there and like and get wet, you know. All right. And um, I love that. That's where my heart's at, you know. Some people find construction. Some people find, you know, accounting. I find it in working with others, you okay. know, however it may be. If it were up to me, I wish I could help the whole world. I wish yeah. I could get everybody off the streets, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, unfortunately, it's not like that. But there's the people that make the changes that makes the world change, you mm-hmm. know. And, and um, I like to be surrounded by positivity and motivation and, and even get to see where I don't want to be, yeah. where I could be and understand that I'm no different than anybody else. It can happen to me, too, if I don't follow the path that, you know, God has yeah. for me. So, Amen. Yeah. I, know, I know a lot of kids join gangs because they're looking for community. I mean, I mean and, and it provides that uh, belonging community. Do you, you find that at Homeboy, Homeboy, what I'm hearing? Definitely. Kinship, you know. Um, you see other gangs that have... Uh, had had shootouts across the street from each other that's killed their own homeboys like um you know and you see these guys working together and kinship and you know shaking hands cheering for each other motivating each other knowing that the world is bigger than the streets and gang warfare and gang family crime um you know, but it, it takes that psychic change to to realize that 
you don't have to live that lifestyle. There is a way out, you know. Um, you don't have to be used and abused, you know. And some of us don't even know that. We were, some people, like I myself, was trying to make a name for myself. Okay. And um, there ain't no making a name for yourself <laughs> other than a T-shirt, you know. Okay. And, um, or, you know, ending up in a, you know, in a service or something, in a casket. And uh, right. that's, that's no way to go out in this world. No one has to live like that. And you definitely don't have to live in fear. And until yeah. you start walking through the barriers, it's very hard. It's really hard. To this day, I still have my own obstacles and issues and bumps in the road and still adapting to certain things. But it's coming along. But yeah. You said you've been doing this for two months now. Yeah. Back on the wagon. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So the two months at Homeboys and a little over four months back on the wagon you okay. know so yeah so. congratulations thank you now, now for those who have been inspired by that and who are listening like what are the different um, ministries or different help that you can give you mentioned something called Planned Parenthood that's like for, to help with your kids right so they have Planned Parenthood and what, have, what does that do um Teach you to be a better parent. Okay. You know, you get a because that's also a, a you know a, an abortion clinic too. So I, I want to make sure we clarify what what homeboy means by Planned Parenthood. Right. So, Plan- yeah. oh, okay, I didn't know that. No, it, it is. Yeah, so that's oh, right. I just want to make sure you clarify. So obviously, yeah. this means learning how to better take care of your kids. Yeah, yeah, better better take care of your children. How to take care of yourself and how to deal with situations. We even role play um, situations that we may encounter with our children. And see it from the other side and go, oh, my God, that's me. Or, right. oh, my God, that may work for me, too. Let me try that out. Okay. And so we just give healthy safety, uh, you know, examples or exercises to take with us and use it at home. Okay. And um, they got anger management. They got criminal and gangs anonymous. Okay. They have women's abuse uh, classes, you know, and they get the women together and... Uh, you see the, you see the sisterhood and brotherhood mm. inside Homeboy Industries. It's amazing okay. it, the things that they teach there. It's um, it, it really saves lives, families, children. Um, you know, I for myself, you know, they're helping me reunite with my daughters, and um, I couldn't ask for any more help than what Father G gives there at Homeboy Industries. I would take my children there any day Amen. just to meet anyone there and take them to the cafe that they have there and just that just everyone you know it's just it's when you walk in there is you know how the uh, Tupac has a song called Thug's Mansion. Okay. Well, it's like a thug mansion there without the whole thuggish you okay. know hardcore in a mentality good way, yeah. in a good way you know it's a mansion where we can go to where anyone can go to you know and and seek some help relief happiness we welcome all it doesn't matter yeah. beautiful and uh who, who is father g and then do you know the? can you tell the quick story about how homeboy industries came about as, as you know it uh, uh, yeah words. as i know it i know he got money of his own and I don't know, I know somebody else helped him, I believe, and he put it into, I believe, in the bakery first, and um, I don't know what else he opened, I'm not too quite familiar with the history. Sure. I just know that he works out, well, that he's from the Dolores Ministry. Okay. And, um, a church, and, um... 
I know I watched YouTubes on him when he would do the funerals for um, you know the gang members that would pass away for the okay. families because the families didn't have insurance back then okay. and no other ministers wanted to bury these you know human beings yeah and um, hmm. and he would do it and he would minister and service these uh, ceremonies for these children that were you know dying the first I think the first month um in the kids 90s. dying the first month of their life. Um, and the first month that he started Homeboy oh, Industries, right. I think he buried thirty kids in a month. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and um, but that's what brought him to the streets. I believe he would walk, walk through the projects, you know. And um, I was watching this and. And he'd say what's up to everyone, and everyone respected him, and he would give messages, hey, you know, stay home. Or, you know, he would get a heads up on things and be like, hey, you guys stay inside wow. tonight. Wow. You know, let's not see any, you know, any gun wars, any fights, you know. And he would just try to keep the peace, you know. Okay. He was, he's like, you know, he's labeled a saint to a lot of us yeah. uh, uh real deal he's just amazing sounds like he saved many lives and inspired many different people that normally would not have found that inspiration anywhere else right yeah, yeah so he used to walk around at least a village projects okay and um and stuff like that i'm sorry i don't have any more hits. no 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 wait people can look it up it, it's www.homeboyindustries.org yes. and you'll uh, father greg boyle who started it uh, a, a priest i believe of the archdiocese of, of la Right, and uh, and he started it. Obviously, a, a guy that just loves the ministry, loves the people he takes care of, and, and he he teaches them how to love better as well through his love. It sounds like to me. Right, so. he, uh, he also has uh, the the Jesuits. Okay, and um, I forget what they do, but I know it's another line of like um, basically teaching uh, how to live spiritually, like you know how to treat others, yep. how, how to humble each other, and uh, he has that too as well. He's starting. Okay, and. Um, you wouldn't believe who a Jesuit is, you know, is is a normal person, yeah. you know, and uh, and their happiness, their their um, their welcoming is is heartwarming. It's yeah. like something not other that you would affiliate with where I come from in my home. Okay, you know, okay. it's like what is this? Sometimes you're like so uncomfortable versus being so nice, you right. know, right? And you don't know, you don't, you don't, you don't know normally experience people that yeah, nice, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, and it's nice. just uh, when you start making that. Um, a part of your daily life it's amazing yeah alright Joey thank you so much for coming over here I appreciate it I just literally pulled you out of the homeboys industry booth you came over to you you were a champ so thanks so much God bless you continue to do well persevere and, and please pray for us thank you I will alright All right. you're listening to Catholic Stuff You Should Know Podcast thanks for listening going to be in contact catholicstuffpodcast at gmail.com um, I'll put the link for homeboy industries on when we post this on Facebook as well so you can uh, get in touch and support these guys through prayer and be inspired by them as well alright God bless y'all All right, glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Church, you know, podcast. I have uh, found another seasoned podcaster to join me right now in, in place of our of uh, Father Nathan, who could not be with us, eternal memory, etc. And actually, uh, Brandon has already put on the uh, the mullet head, so he tried himself on as if you think you look good in a Father Nathan mullet. Have you looked at the picture yet? 
Brandon? Yeah, you know, it increased my hair by about 3,000%, <laughs> so it made me feel good. My intuition, actually, I have not taken a picture yet. Anyway, we have Brandon Vaught from Word on Fire here. Um, his normal podcast co-host is Bishop Robert Barron, so I'm, I'm honored to sit on the other side of the microphone from you. Um, so, yeah, you, I, I don't know what other people, I'm guessing the Word on Fire is the context that they know you from, but um, Leah Darrow, my friend, talks so highly of you, and I don't know how much you can say about educational things you're working on and just other ministry opportunities of the church, but, but what do you do? What, what, what gifts did God give you that you've used to further the kingdom of God? Thank I'd you love to hear for about asking it. that. Yeah, thanks, Father. <laughs> um, yeah, I got my hands in, in tons of different pots. So um, I work with Bishop Barron at Word on Fire, so we're doing lots of, of great things there. That's my full-time job. Uh, but on the side, I've been working on a lot of things. Uh, I just wrote a book, just came out a few months ago, called Why I Am Catholic and You Should Be Too. Okay. And the book was aimed at nuns, N-O-N-E-S, and former Catholics, atheists, agnostics, trying to make a persuasive case for why they should take the Catholic Church seriously. Because um, I'm a convert to the Church. I kind of, when I was in college, wasn't really connected to any religious group, so I might have been known as a nun. Uh, But then through reading and research and discussions, kind of became very captivated by what the church teaches. And I think this was the important twist. I started to recognize after I became Catholic that this wasn't just a subjectively good decision for me. It wasn't like, well, you know, I chose to become Catholic. My other friends, you know, might choose some other strain of Protestantism or might choose to become atheist. And, hey, whatever's good for you, good for you, good for me, good for me. I thought, no, there's something objectively true about this. I objectively believe God exists. I objectively believe Jesus is God. I objectively believe he started a church. So that's kind of the... the uh, arrangement of this book is to make an objective case for why anybody should take seriously what the Catholic Church claims to consider being Catholic. That's one thing. The second thing I'll mention is uh, I started this community online called Claritas U. So Claritas, Latin for clarity. The purpose of it was to help Catholics get clear about discussing hot-button issues. Yeah. So the things that, that most Catholics never want to discuss, things like atheism, same-sex marriage, transgenderism, faith and science, you know, that whenever these things come up, your natural tendency is just to think, I hope the conversation goes in some other direction. Right. So I wanted to get Catholics confident, clear. I wanted to give them simple talking points, tell them exactly what to say introduce them to the best objections to each of these areas so that they aren't surprised by them when they come up, and then learn how to answer these objections. So started that, Claritas U. It's got three or 4,000 people now who are, wow. who are part of it, so it's really thriving. So I, those are some of the many ways God's used my gift set to do some cool things for the kingdom. Yeah, congratulations with those numbers. Uh, what I'm hearing is that you're approaching evangelization from both, both sides, those who are being evangelized and those who are doing evangelization, and, and both of those areas obviously need to grow in confidence and in the seeking of the truth. I have had so many conversations recently with, with, with nuns, as you described them, and I think it comes down to that. The whole, I'm spiritual but not religious, the whole aversion to organized religion, these are the things that I'm seeing in my encounters, and there is a, even if they don't identify it, there's some sort of awareness of, of objective truth, beauty, and goodness that, that they are denying, but their heart tells them it's there. And so, I, I, for instance, a bartender I was talking to said, you know, I do not believe in organized religion because within that you need to have authority. And if you have authority, you will objectively misuse it. He does not believe you can have authority and not misuse it. So my question to him was, okay, so... It's possible, and it certainly happened within the church, but, but is that the heart of what the church is? 
you know, so what, what is this? I'm intrigued by this. What do you find in our current culture that, that a desire or an openness or even aversion to objective reality that you're addressing? Yeah, one thing I've learned from Bishop Barron, which I think is a great insight, is that whenever people say things like, when they say there's no such thing as objective truth, or, you know, when it comes to religion and morals, we, you know, we're sort of relativistic, everyone has their own views, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, you behave how you want to behave, but don't tell me how to behave. I find that nobody accepts that sort of view when it comes to anything else that matters in life. So Bishop Barron used the example of sports and music. When you're learning how to play golf, for example, nobody says, hey, you know, just pick up the club and swing it however you want, you know, and you figure out how to hit the ball, you know, right. and if you like to do it that way, great, I'm going to do it this way, great. No, like, given that everybody swings the club in slightly different ways, there are fundamental things you need to do to hit the golf ball well. Right. Same thing with music. Nobody just gives a kid a violin and say, hey, you know, tickle the strings however you want. Hold right. it backward, forward, upside down. No, there's an objective framework that if, if you want to perform this well, you need to meditate on these rules and these laws and understand how they work and then give yourself to them. Same with the, let's use a third analogy, language. You know, if you're trying to learn, say, Spanish, you don't just say, hey, you know, make up the words and use whatever sort of accents that, that you want. No, there, there's a whole slew of objective ways that you need to master if you want to become good at Spanish. Well, the, the same thing is true in the religious and moral life, mm-hmm. that objectivity is, is a good thing. Most of the people in my generation think, oh, rules, regulations, objective guidelines, these hamper my freedom. These sort of press me in and constrain me. Why try to argue it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. It's like the banks of a river that, sure, they're, they're rigid and they're, and they're strong, but that's the condition for the flow of a river. If you remove the banks, the water just stops. So if you want a raging river, a vibrant, flourishing life, you need these objective rubrics and frameworks. You need authority. You know, so that's kind of how I like to tease it out is, is number one, to show that we don't accept this relativistic attitude about anything else that matters. But then two, objectivity is itself the condition for flourishing. And I found, too, that if you make it personal, not with them, but with the person of Jesus Christ, you're saying... What you see of religion is a bunch of weak human beings trying to try holding a corporation or or a community together with certain boundaries, certain rules. But all of this is about the man Jesus Christ, and you don't want someone telling you, "Oh, well, we we all know him from a different perspective. Some of us see him as a creep. Some of us, you know, see him as like, no, no, I I am an individual. There are objective ways that I am." people, you know, I, I, I am certain things and I am not certain things. Right. Jesus Christ was a man and, and, and he is a person. And so there are objective things about him and things that are not objective. And just to say that, that whatever my perspective of who he is, or maybe it's not even him, but it's just some concept of divinity that's present in all the universe, you know, no, that's either right or wrong. And when it comes to the person, Jesus Christ, you're not looking at a, a way of life that's separate from the man Jesus Christ. If you if you bring him into it, there should be an understanding of, I'm not going to say about my, one of my friends, he is the way that he's not. Why would I say that about Christ? Yeah, very well put. I agree. And, and it needs to come back to the person of Jesus Christ. Obviously, this is the heart of our faith. Um, so I was on the, I was on the, I've said this a couple of times in the past couple of days, but I had a very kind of um, moving conversation with the guy next to me on the plane out here on a, on a Southwest flight. And he, he's a, a wine importer. And, uh, he was, we were trying to talk about objective reality, especially beauty. And, and he was, I, I, he says, I believe in objective truth. I don't believe in objective beauty. But his 
experience is wine, and that's his life. And I and I thought I never said this because we had to go, but I said, you know, again, the man Jesus Christ is different than wine. Yes, you can prefer a region or a type of wine. It when it comes to Jesus Christ, it's not what you prefer; it's yes. what he is. Yes, Bishop Barron just gave a rip roaring talk on this very point in the okay. big arena. It was on the subjectively satisfying versus the objectively beautiful, and he was quoting the work of Dietrich von Hildebrand, but he said a very similar analogy to the one you just gave, that Bishop Barron's love for spaghetti and meatballs is subjectively satisfying. That's his favorite food. But never in a million years would he go around the world becoming an evangelist for spaghetti and meatballs, trying to convince everybody that you need to eat spaghetti and meatballs, Right. right? Because we know that that's just a subjective preference like wine. But there's something just different about the objectively beautiful, about the painting, the sculpture, the the Gothic cathedral, the beautiful book, the music that stirs your heart, something that says, God, you know, this this isn't just grabbing me. It's not just my personal preference. There's something objective outside of me that is grabbing me and pulling me toward it. Not because I like it, but it's pulling me into itself. And this, we would say, finds its fulfillment in Christ. Christ is the objectively beautiful, the objectively good, and the objectively true. Another thing I like to tease out with my relativistic friends is to look at the objective historical questions around Jesus, because I think that's where we Christians uh, have special power, is you can ask historical questions like, you know, did Jesus rise from the dead? That's a that's objectively a yes or no question. You know, he either did rise from the dead or he stayed dead. You can't have it both ways. And so that to me is a, is a way to sort of sidestep all the relativistic stuff. Yeah, yeah. and I think we, we do yearn for the objective whether we know it or not. That there's something built into us, obviously, by God, the way we were created, to say that it is either this way or it is not. And it, we, we find that in, in the personal offense we take if somebody sees us wrong. I mean, I, I often say that with people. It's one of the most, as a pastor, to, you know, speaking to souls, it's one of the hardest things to be misunderstood, whether it's within a marriage and just miscommunication, not being seen, or if we are accused of something we didn't do. This is, of course, Christ. He gave himself completely for, for those who, who took his life for something he didn't do, accused him for something he did not do, and misunderstood him. So if why would I continue misunderstanding someone rather than being, I'm just reading um, von Hildebrand's uh, The Art of Living, an amazing book, and it's, it's about the, the reverence you give to objective morality, like things that are objective, and I love that term of, of reverence. Like we stand before things that are that are objectively true, and before trying to kind of wrap our mind around them, we treat them with reverence. Yeah. And I think it's the it's the same thing when it comes to anything that is that is objective. If if we have respect for it and a reverence for it, we will learn more from it rather than trying to you know circumscribe it with our mind, but rather we just stand back and, in a sense, let it reveal itself to us. Yeah. Well, beautifully said. Yeah. Nothing to add to that. And I, I also love the fact, um, and thank you for saying that, and I, I forgot what it was already, so I'm going to ask you to say it again, but um, there's something about, I heard someone say one time that John Paul II, in his Theology of the Body, he gave, he gave a language and an eloquence. He gave us verbiage to describe what was happening in the Theology of the Body. We now have terms we can use to define something that we know. Um, I, I'm kind of waiting for that to happen in other aspects of society with, you know, with, with the, the ministry to homosexuals and things like that. When do we find a language that we can use to describe these things in a way that will be heard? I think John Paul did that well. Um, what did Bishop Barron say about the difference between 
the that yeah the, the, the subjectively satisfying you. and the objectively beautiful and again that's von Hildebrand language okay um, but I, I think you know that it just rings true in your heart when you when you seriously reflect on the most beautiful experiences in your life you know he referenced in his talk the example of the Rolling Stone magazine asked all of these famous rock and rollers what's the what's the first song that rocked your world mm. rocked your world not what's the first song you liked what's the first song that stuck in your head what's the first song that rocked your world yeah. and uh, one of them uh, Patti Smith a rocker uh, quoted she said it was Bob Dylan's song I think it was uh, I can't remember Rolling Stone Living Like Rolling Stone something like that mm. but whatever it was it was Bob Dylan she was in the car she hears, hears it come on the radio she pull, she has to pull over to the side of the road and she gets on the curb and sits down and just puts her hands on her head and is trying to wrap her mind around what just happened. It was like a blow, this wow. song that just hit her and, and, and it took control of her and it changed her world the way she thought. And that experience is just something different than I like spaghetti and meatballs. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, it struck you to the core. I'm trying to look up. Who, who's the author of that book, Blue Like Jazz? Do you remember Donald that? Miller. Thank you, yeah. Donald Miller. And I, I love the preface in there because it, it says, and I'm, I'm going to misquote this perfectly, but he says, I never liked jazz, but I was walking down the street in New Orleans. I saw a saxophone player. He played for 10 minutes and never opened his eyes. Now I love jazz. Beautiful, isn't it? He, like, he, he saw somebody of love something and found it worthy of love because it was loved so much. And it was something as simple as a guy playing jazz himself and loving what he was doing so much that he he had to kind of shut off the, the visual in order to fully enjoy what was going on in his head. That's, that's the point of evangelization, too. One of the questions the guys on the airplane asked me was, he says, how can you believe that, that you can, because he, he said in a podcast, he says, you have a podcast, and he says, in that podcast, you guys drink whiskey on it? And I said, yeah. And he, he says, do you get criticized for that? And I said, by a few people. But he says, but most people love it. And he says, what about your bishops? And I said, honestly, my bishops listen to They drink with times. me. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah they have absolutely no problem with that. And he says, well, do you understand that most people wouldn't want to, to their, their priest to be drinking? And, and I said, well, I, I think that the younger people are. But anyway, the whole point is we got into how do we have a certain evolution in the way that we reveal objective foundational truths? And he never got to the point where he could understand how we can say there's objective reality and yet there's a kind of a, a, a development of doctrine, in a sense, a, a way of revealing that to each generation in a different way. The difference between hearing the gospel and then hearing a homily about it. I see. And he, he couldn't quite wrap his mind around that, but I thought that there is, that there is something beautiful about the way that whether you're teaching a class having these different ways or the way a preacher preaches to say I'm I'm speaking from my experience what has moved me and and when I show you how moved I am by this belief and this paradox you might not understand I'm hoping that that's attractive and I really hope it was with him and I hope it is with everybody that 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 hears us in media or or meets us on the street or even knows us as a friend If, if we're very passionate about the fact that there is objective truth and I want to share it with you because I love it Hopefully that'll become attractive to them as well. Amen. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for coming on, Brandon. Oh, my Thank delight. you for what you do for Word on Fire. And go ahead and promote um, the uh, Caritas. No, not Caritas. Claritas. Yeah. Claritas. Yeah. yeah. And before me. I do, let me say, I said this before we started recording. We just have so much esteem for your podcast. We love you guys. We're so grateful for the service you guys do for the church. So thank you for that. Uh, yeah, so Claritas U is just Claritas, Latin word for clarity, U, the letter U.com. So that's where people can find out more about it. Wonderful. Wonderful.
Thank you for ministry. Thank you for loving the church and what you do for the church. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Thanks all for listening. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social media. Uh, love y'all. Bye.